walk the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning to you. This is WPTF Radio, Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm Reese Edwards. Hello, everybody. Atlantic Coast Conference Tournament Basketball is on the air. This is Wally Osley. This is Bill Jackson speaking. Hello, everybody. Welcome now to Sportsline. Gary Dornberg with you. I'm Tony Rixby, WPTF News. Hello, this is Charles Carroll, CBS News, WPTF in Raleigh. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. I'm Don Curtis. Hello, friends. This is Bill Friday, WPTF in Raleigh. I'm Rufus Edmiston on the Weekend Gardener. Now, here is your moderator, Tom Campbell. Thanks for watching this week's NC Spin. Now, here is Kay Kaiser. Hi, yo. Well, that's good. This is Aunt Devine. This is Robert St. John in the NBC Newsroom in New York. The Monitor Edition of News of the World. Debnam views the news. And now, here is Mr. Debnam. Good afternoon, everyone. Yours truly, Sam Beard. And Jim Reed. And Carl Gert. Thank you, Sam. And greetings to all of our listeners. This is Harry Presley, WPTF in Raleigh, North Carolina. Wayne Ed is standing by now with a check of the latest news. WPTF News presents Regional Report, a digest of late happenings throughout the area. This is Bill Ellis. This is Jimmy Capps. For the nocturne, we send as... This is Bill Hope. This is Warren Barfield with Kingdom Scott at the organ and a program of Familiar Carol. Good morning, this is Phil Franklin. And this is J.C. Knowles with the North Carolina Collection on WPTF. I'm Mike Blackman, WPTF News. Good evening, I'm David Sherrill. This is Robert Hager, WPTF News. This is Bob Farrington. Good morning, everybody. Charlie Gaddy here with Ask Your Neighbor. Mario Dale here. Fess Parker, our guest this morning here at News Talk 680. Well, Jack Boston, that was a great introduction. Everyone, great to have you with us this this is North Carolina's Morning News. I'm Brian Freeman on WPTF. Hello, I'm your friend Bart Rittner. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Bob Butler Show. And this is Ned Champion reporting. And here is Carl Venters. WPTF is the voice that shares with its neighbors what it's like to be living the life of Raw. This is Charles Osgood wishing Mike Rayleigh and Ann Clapp congratulations on the anniversary of WPTF's Weekend Gardener Program. This is Donna Mason on 680 WPTF. And I'm Dick Stork in the WPTF. Record Vault. Good morning to you. Tom Kearney here. Johnny Hood on the Southern Farm Network. Well, howdy, everybody. I'm Hap Hanson. I'm Marlon Bowling reporting. I'm Ann Clapp. And this is a Tar Heel Gardener saying, keep them growing. Now, the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. Some of the uh, extraordinary people uh, that you have, or many of you have heard, uh, lots and lots of people who have been on this radio station, been employed by, by the station, and... Uh, done so many things for the area uh entertainment wise and uh and, and how, practical how sense. many years wptf now on there uh this is the 98th year i thought it was getting close to 100 yeah so. wow birthday Ooh. this month and so yeah 100 years and 24 and 25 would be my 50th anniversary so i've been here almost almost uh half, half the time the that uh, mm-hmm. that the station's been on the air and some uh, extra- really extraordinary people who have worked here over the years. So, uh, 919-860-9783, 919-860-WPTF, Dan Stern with the Botanical Gardens in Chapel Hill, and Gerald Adams from the Centennial Campus at NC State University. Our friend 
Andrea Lane, who is a master gardener in Mitchell County and is helping to uh, create a master master gardener program up there. And, of course, you have uh, master gardeners working right now and training uh, to be, I guess, your first class, really. Yes, that was our first class. How about (laughs) that? Are they enthusiastic? Are they enthusiastic? Uh, (laughs) Yes, they are. They're very enthusiastic. So do you have them writing too? I know you you enjoy writing. That's uh, you know, there's there might be uh, one other writer in the group, but she's so far she's also um, been handling a lot of our uh, markets, our farmers markets, uh, answering questions there. Oh, very she good. Happens to be a market gardener as well. Yeah. She grows vegetables <clears throat> in her half acre. Uh, she's very into permaculture. How about and, uh, that? And even the microgreens yeah. that uh, Monica was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. microgreens. So, so she goes to the um, farmer's markets and answers questions. But, so, Dan, you were talking before uh, during a break about answering questions, maybe before we went on the air. Mm. Uh, do, do you all do any of that at the Botanical Gardens? Yeah. I'm sure people are always asking you. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, We used to have a desk on site that was staffed, uh, you know, by some of our own team, as well as some uh, Orange County master gardeners. Um, With COVID, we've shifted that online. So uh, it's now sort of a virtual uh, reference desk, if you will. And people can get to that uh, at our website, ncbg.unc.edu. Uh, it's the, called the Green Gardener Clinic, and um, you know that we get a wide variety of gardening questions, plant ID questions. You can upload photographs and get more information. Uh, you know, get your get your questions answered. If we can't uh, if we can't provide the answer, we can usually point people in the right direction. But Gerald, I bet people ask you just from being on this show. People ask you questions, don't they? Yeah, I, I get quite a few, and then with the since I've started selling the and you have a uh, website. Plants. You, you and I have, your uh, I have a website through that, so I, I get lots of stuff. What's the website? Uh, it's GeraldandHenrysPlants.com. And, of course, you can email me the same, GeraldandHenrysPlants at gmail.com. Henry, wake up. You've got some work to do this afternoon. <laughs> of course, he's <laughs> Poor up early, fella. so I don't have to tell him, tell him that. Yeah, But, yeah, I get all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm a little surprised today that we hadn't had a lawn receding question I know uh, we need we need that. to talk about that because I, I, I was t- joking with somebody yesterday. Well, you know it's time to reseed your fescue because now we've got two weeks of no rain. So <laughs> it almost always seems to go hand in it, hand. Yeah, the fall is September, and, and unless we get a hurricane, uh, October I think is one of our driest months. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, statistically, I don't know if the statistics are still holding up. By the way, you uh, before we get into the to the lawn, you have uh, quite a, a sale coming up next weekend. Yeah, that's right, Mike. Uh, it's uh, next Saturday, the twenty uh, fourth, our, our annual fall plant sale from nine a.m. to two p.m. at the North Carolina Botanical Garden in Chapel Hill. Uh, we're going to have about one hundred and fifty species of southeastern native plants. Uh, Right now, you know, we're just really enjoying a lot of the fall color from the fall asters and the goldenrods. Uh, we've got native lobelias, uh, native hibiscus. All of these wildflower species are going to be available at the sale. We'll also have a lot of trees, shrubs, um, ferns, uh, native ornamental grasses. So a lot to choose from if folks are interested in uh, sort of getting a preview. Uh, our whole inventory for the sale is up on our website. Again, that's ncbg.unc.edu. 
Uh, you can find the whole list and more information about what kind of growing conditions they like. So it's going to be a great event. Uh, lots of plants to choose from, lots of people on hand to help answer questions and make recommendations, including a handful of uh, local conservation organizations, uh, Orange County Master Gardeners, wonderful, uh, New Hope Audubon Society, mm. uh, North Carolina Native Plant Society, and some of our corporate partners will also be there. Uh, uh, something I, I look forward to in the fall, but they also bloom other times of the year I've found is the fragrant osmanthus, one of my favorite plants and one of my favorite. Um, and I'm sure y'all have, y'all have some on, on the campus there at Botanical Gardens? Uh, we have a few of those um, fragrant osmanthus up at the Coca Arboretum that we manage on main campus. Uh, we've actually got its uh, cousin, that's a native species of osmanthus, uh, down at the Botanical Garden. Uh, it's a southeastern native, that one. Um, uh, we don't have that on the plant sale. It's a little more difficult uh, to propagate, um, mm. but uh, it's a you know it's an interesting native plant and nice to see sort of that relationship between our flora and that of you know different parts of the world. Yeah, definitely. But I, I just love the fragrance that that always reminds me of fall and it's blooming. Now, if you're lucky enough to have one, they are are blooming mm-hmm. at this time. But I, I do find that they bloom during the winter time occasionally. Here and there, and it's especially like, when we have these seems like later, warmer fall. Yeah, you know. yeah, little tiny flowers will pop out. I guess y'all don't have any any uh, fragrant osmanthus in, in the mountains, do you? Have you seen any any type of osmanthus? Actually, yes. There's, oh, wonderful! Sister, I, a friend of mine uh, just had a some landscape uh, you know uh, installation done at her house in spruce pine, and she planted a few of those because she was somewhere. And she smells that awesome scent, mm-hmm. <laughs> and said, "I have to have that." So, yeah. I have an Here. an orange one, and I think I, it's probably in too much shade. It, it really hasn't produced a lot of flowers, and it's a, it's a shame. But there's a, a well, there's something you can take out and replace. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's getting kind of big now. I mean, it's happy, but it's not it's not blooming because it, mm. it's just not. Uh, I don't know why I planted it there. I mean, I. I host the weekend gardener. I should know better. <laughs> I have all these experts at, at my beck and call, and well, I still did it. Sometimes. Oh well. Uh, Gerald, the, uh, the y'all don't y'all don't have a lot of lawn grass at uh, the botanical gardens, no, do you? Yeah, we you keep have it ornamental pretty, grasses. Yeah, <laughs> we keep it pretty uh, pretty tight. We've got a small, a couple small lawns that uh, you know we do treat uh, for you know. Uh, bigger events and uh, high traffic areas. But Are they warm, se- re- warm, warm season, season. Ga- mm-hmm. grasses? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. the fescue, Gerald, is a temporary grass technically, according to turf specialists. Well, in our part of the world, <laughs> it is fescue yeah. really doesn't like heat and humidity, and that's where we're at, heat and humidity. Mm. So it's uh, it's a year end struggle. I mean, I tell people all the time, you, you know, if if you're stuck with a lot of shade and you want to have a lawn, then you're forced to have fescue. And a few of the most of the fescues now have a mix with a couple of the bluegrasses that would do well here. Uh, but if you don't have irrigation and if you're not willing to pre-treat it with fungicide June, July, and August, then you almost certainly will be reseeding every fall. And now it's time. Uh, typically, uh, I mean, I have reseeded some the first week in 
but I usually tell people mid-September, and you can seed probably all the way up till the 1st of November, okay? But if you reseed now and have any kind of bad experience, i.e. a hurricane comes by with six inches of rain and washes your seed away, you still have time to come back and reseed again. So that's why I usually recommend to people uh, seed in November. Um, I mean, you you need to do a soil test. Uh, when rare exceptions, if you haven't put any lime out in five or six years, then you, you probably need to put lime out because well, what people find, if that soil gets too um, acidic, you can put all the fertilizer you out. You won't put the plants, the roots of the grass can't take it up. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, this fertilizer's. I've had people before tell me my fertilizer was no good I bought. I said, it's not the fertilizer's fault. Is you you didn't lime it, your soil's too acid, you got to do something to improve that. Uh Lime does not work in like two or three days. Often I tell people, you know, you could have done that at the end of August to, to get prepared for it, but it's still not too late uh, to do it as well. But it's a it's a, a vicious cycle of having to reseed fescue lawns, and there's just no, you know, no getting around it. I will give a little tease, Mike, for my article I wrote for the Fall Winter Weekend Gardener magazine. NC State has released two new grasses in the last year, one of which is a zoysia, another one is a um, St. Augustine grass that's uh, a better version of Raleigh and can take some shade. Uh, Hmm. So that will be, uh, I I found out a lot more about them at the turf field day back in August. Uh, So that's what I did my little article on this year. So would they, how would they be available to the public? Well, they've, uh, Sod Solutions is, is, is who licenses it. So there are already farms, uh, Sod Farms growing it. I think the Zoysia was limitedly available this past year. Uh, I don't know about the St. Augustine. They didn't even name it to August. It had been a number for all these years. It's been in trial. But I suspect there will probably be a little bit of available next year. And then each year it will be much more widely available, both of them. So Zoysia and St. Augustine have, uh, or at least some of the varieties of Zoysia are a little more shade tolerant. And I, I know that uh, St. Augustine, the Raleigh version, has been a little more shade right. tolerant. And, and this one is at as much or more uh, shade tolerant. Uh, but it's uh, there's some other attributes to it. Well, I'm just not going to tell people. They're going oh, okay. to have to read the article. Read the well, article. I can't wait they're to do they're that. They're going to have to read the article. But the the zoysia is a part of what the testing that's been done at NC State was to get grasses that could rapidly spread under poor conditions. DOT comes to mind when you do stuff beside the roads. You know, they're not going to have irrigation. They're not going get aerated and fertilized and limed as good as your lawn at your home would. Uh, but they, this particular zoysia that was released uh, is very aggressive, even under mediocre conditions. So more like Bermuda. But it has a very nice-looking textured blade to it, and it's just done really well in trials all over North Carolina and all over the country. It was part of the program where they test them all over the country as well, so it's is it more of a blade? Like, it's a medium kind of width blade. So it's not like emerald. That right. Is it's so not fine. as fine as emerald, but it's not as wide as some of the older ones as well. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. That's uh, that's fascinating. But, but that, that this program, 
uh, Dr. Mila Lewis, who was brought, she started there probably 2009. So this is, you know, 12 years yeah. in, in the making for this. So is anything when you're producing is a lot of time, a lot of trial, you know, thousands upon thousands of crosses to trying to work it out. So they are very excited with the release of these two grasses. And it looks like they both bring attributes that are, uh, you know, pretty significant improvement to some of the things that are available now. If you want to uh, know more about how to get your lawn straightened out a little bit, you can go to Turf Files. Uh, it's an NC State-maintained uh, website, and uh, that has calendars about each type of grass and plant diseases and uh, insects and all of that stuff. A lot of great information uh, on varieties, and you can also download a publication called Carolina Lawns. That you can also get on their notice thing. They will send you a thing like if there's all of a sudden some bad problem going on uh-huh. in turf that maybe yeah. – you don't usually see or you know, fall army worms or whatever right. to make so you can be on the lookout for that great resource let's go to uh, sue and apex sue good morning or on wptf good morning yes ma'am how can we help you okay so um i have a couple questions um the first one um actually has to do with exactly the problem you're talking about um i have fescue and shade and um i have Every year, reseed, blah, blah, blah. And, but I have a question um, as far as watering newly seeded. If we're not getting any rain, uh, should we be watering and how much and how often? Uh, it, 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 you need to keep it moist, one, to get the seed up. And, and by moist, I mean sometimes just a regular garden sprinkler run 30 minutes could be enough. You don't need to see standing water or water running off of it uh once their seedlings are up that is the most critical time is because they don't have much of a root and they're starting to establish once again you need some moisture without seeing the type of sprinkler that you're using i couldn't tell you whether 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 would be enough but it's not like you got to get it you know squishy where your feet are going to mire down into it because those roots are just barely in the ground as it's starting to establish. Okay. And once so those just put the seed down, mm-hmm. so I should start watering right now. Yes, because I don't see any rain in the forecast, and those seed yeah. are not going to germinate without a little moisture. Right. Don't to, to don't wet them down and then forget about them a couple of days and let them dry out because they may not germinate after I, that. I mean, generally speaking, uh, less than seven days, fescue seed should be up. Uh, so okay. I, I would wet them now. I would probably every other day put a little bit of water onto them till you see the blades up. If you catch a rainfall, then that will buy you, you know, it could buy you four, five, six days. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, once it gets up finger length or so, it's not as critical uh, because the temperature should be dropping. Being cooler won't be as much stress on it. So really the first 30 days is the critical factor for uh water on the seed, and then getting those seedlings some moisture to them. I see. Okay, and then my other question is, um, I have two fairly large uh, sago palms that have been in pots, and I'm wondering, can I put them in the ground, and will they winter? I mean, will they 
winter. I they will if you plant them in the right place. They need to be protected. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and this okay. I, I've had this happen before. So I had one I planted at the governor's mansion that we kept digging up every year and moving it back into the greenhouse, and it got bigger and bigger, and I finally got tired, fat, and lazy, and I said, well, let's just leave you and see what happens. <laughs> I, I had it in what I would call not as protected of an area as I should have, but it's just where I was using it at. And every font on it turned brown that winter. Oh. We had what I'd said would an average winter, but it didn't kill it. At least it, it came back out from it. But yeah. that's a, I don't know, Dan, if not a guaranteed proposition, you certainly, a cold winter can kill one when it's left out. So you need to know that there's some risk in planting it. Uh, typically, with most things that are on the borderline of surviving with our winners, if you can get through one or two, then you tend to have a, a, a chance of even more success. Uh, but, you know, we had, like this past winter, here in, in Wake County, we didn't hardly see any nights in the teens. But we all of a sudden could have a winter with a 14 or 15 degree night. And there's just something about that 19, 20 degree barrier. If we get much below that, some things that typically may be all right, that may be too much for them to handle. Uh, but generally speaking, if you can get lucky enough to get through a winter or two, your chances of ongoing success are better. So the reason I say that is if you plant it and then all of a sudden every font on it's brown, don't snatch it up just yet because there's a chance it could could leaf back out for you in the springtime early summer well that's exactly what happened i was living in one house and i had a screened in porch i pulled they were in pots i pulled them in they did fine i had actually covered them up when it was really really cold with blankets and then we moved to a new spot and i had them on my front porch and covered them up but it was not enclosed and covered them up, and um, apparently, and this was last winter, apparently got too cold because all the leaves turned brown. So I cut all those off, and I thought, well, I'm just going to see what happens. And they all, and we got new fronds. Now I have a single row of fronds where I had a double row before. But, um, and I was just, but there's, there, the base is getting so big now that it's very hard to bring them in. And yeah. Well, well that's the problem I had. Mine had got so big, I was already up to putting it in a 25-gallon <laughs> container, and I said, we just can't you know, continue to do that. You're going to have to stay in the ground, and we'll see what happens. A lot of times, if you've got something that you're sort of like pushing the envelope on, uh, you know, if you put it uh, you know, near some structure that's got, you know, it can be like a um, – Solar collector, um, south-facing, you know, brick, brick wall, wall or something, or something to yeah, radiate exactly. heat off of it. Yeah, it'll collect that heat, and then you know, you get a little microclimate that gives, you know, might buy you a couple of degrees. Uh, but I think Gerald's point is right on that. You know, once every ten years or so, we'll get down into the low teens or mm. you know, ten degrees, and that's um, all bets are off at that point. Well, even if you cover it up, it, yes, it's, uh, yes, it's still tough. Well, I kind of like to try them in the ground. I'm not exactly yeah, go ahead. Oh. Go ahead and experiment a little bit. Yeah. Sue, okay, thank, thank you very you. much. Uh-huh. Bye. More of the Weekend Gardener coming up. We'll talk with uh, Paul uh, after the news here on WPTF. Let's get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. 
All righty, we're back. 1037, Mike Riley here. Dan Stern from the Botanical Gardens is with us. And uh, Gerald, um, I was going to say Gerald Owens, but uh, Gerald is over at WRL. I've been called a lot to sing, unfortunately. <laughs> Gerald Owens is a great guy, too. But, um, and we, uh, Andrea Lane is My with accent us. might be a little too much to be doing the news with, Mike. So. <laughs> well, you could do Southern of course, news. I guess they could do a caption under it. <laughs> You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's they, they would have to do that, wouldn't they? At uh, uh, at K Town accent. So that brings on a good question. Uh, when I was at UNC, uh, people would ask me all the time, "Well, where are you from?" But I'm like, you know, I'd turn southeast, and I'd say 38 miles that direction, yeah, right? Yeah. Eastern Wake County all my life, outside uh-huh. of Nightdale, and I'd say, "Well, where do you think I'm from?" And South Carolina and Alabama, for some yeah. reason, mm. would be the two most, you know. How about that? And the majority of the people that were asking me this were, you know, North North Carolina residents. Right, you right. Know. How about that? Yeah, there are a lot of different accents. So I get that uh, quite a bit. I'll bet so. All right. Uh, so if I can get my phone to work here, I had a uh, question from a listener uh, from Vicky wants to know about Mondo grass in lawn areas. And there is someone I've mentioned on the show several times, uh, a neighbor who has mostly pines, but there's some hardwoods in his front landscape. And so there's a lot of pine straw. He seems to be very meticulous. But there, instead of lawn grass, there is Mondo grass throughout this lawn area. I don't know how long it took him to plant that stuff because it doesn't doesn't really spread yeah so so i had two different customers when i was working for field at campbell road that converted one of them a back lawn and the other one i think it was his front lawn uh to dwarf mondo uh and it certainly will work there's no question about it working even if it gets to a point in time where you, you can cut it back if you want to and let it you know come back out from it but it does not spread like people think of some of the liripes that, you know, will run everywhere in the world you don't want them to. It's a much slower and doesn't have that magnitude of length and how it runs. So it will certainly work, but it's either a slow process or kind of pricey up front Oof. if you're going to yeah. do a, any kind of decent-sized yard. And this is uh, a pretty good, pretty big size yard, but it it looks so nice. But both of these people that did it at the nursery started on one thing, and they would ever come so often get you know ten flats. Yeah, right. Ha- have me, and they would go put that in, and they were just you know, this is going to be a three year project because I don't want to spend five thousand dollars to do it. I'll spend you know a few hundred every now and then and keep working across there. But it most certainly works as a alternative dan anything to add uh we you know we've got some big lawns up at the coke arboretum Uh, again it's a garden that we manage in the middle of unc's campus it's got a lot of mondo grass in it you know it's also a 119 year old garden Mm -hmm. uh you know so dr coker who started that and some of his you know immediate successors like they got some mondo grass going in you know a couple different locations and you give it a century Uh, but you know i have had some experiences uh installing that you know uh you know working on the side and um yeah you you know it's a uh, it's a a game that takes patience and uh and or deep pockets Uh, it can be a little pricey uh you're you know you're um planting things at two to three inch spacing you know and and crossing your fingers you know it's not bermuda where you can put a plug 
two foot from another one, and before you know it, just they've run together. <laughs> there, there is a larger. There are larger varieties of mondo. Do they spread? more i don't think in the mondo family they run much more aggressively Mm -hmm. uh than that at least not what experience i've had i did have an area at the governor's mansion that was a little uh it was planted before i got there but it was it was taller than the dwarf mondo we cut it with a lawnmower once a year Mm -hmm. Uh, uh and it stayed pretty much i mean we we would take a blade edger because it it got up to winning about 18 inches of the lawn that cut by it but it was you know once a year we did a little shaping on the bed and that was that was it but it gotcha. we didn't never fertilize it we didn't water it we i mean we cut it back once a year and that little bit of trimming around the edge is about a lower maintenance as you can sure get is. on something didn't have any disease issues with it extremely extremely hardy Paul's been waiting a while. Paul, thanks for your patience. I know you wanted to talk to Gerald about uh, tomatoes, probably. How do you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> psychic. See, when you're a Hall of Fame broadcaster, you have some psychic capabilities. Psychic abilities. Paul. You can call me off the air or uh, send me an email about um, psychic uh, yes, things. Sir. First of all, I want to know how many uh, email and uh, websites uh, Gerald has. He's got his models, and he's got this and the other. I don't know how many. Uh, do you just have one or <laughs> no? Two, I, or? I've got a bunch of websites. <laughs> I well, mean, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I have. You know, I paint the You're bottles. Selling cars too? No, or? but I, I paint the bottles and do craft stuff. So oh, there's that's a, right. There's a Gerald's Bottles uh, yeah. website, and I have a Gmail for that. And then, the course, is the Gerald and Henry's Plants, and some and are the, for. Then I have a NC State. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So there's lots of ways to get in touch with me, and then most all the people that I like have my phone number. Mm-hmm. So they either text, t- text or call me. And Paul's on my Paul's one of my on friends like on list. Facebook, so he's made the – Paul, <laughs> just to let you know, I get all kinds of requests for friends on Facebook, and I don't click yep. nobody I like that I don't know that I hadn't already talked to. So you didn't pass through a lot of muster when you made that list. Uh, so – no riffraff. Nope. I'm honored, Clint. Yeah. Uh, in 80 years, I have never had worse tomatoes. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I can tell you two reasons for it, Paul, none of which are going to make you feel any better, mm-hmm. and yeah. none of which even myself didn't have any control over. Yeah. One we had above average rainfall in May and the first of June, so that always brings those fungal pathogens in here a little sooner. And yep. then we had the most days above ninety degrees in the Triangle area. I forget was more than twenty five years. The number of days we had over uh, plus ninety. So that's a combination of things. One, the disease pressure got here earlier. So the plants had to overcome that, and if your plants overcame that, the month of July and August, they just didn't make any. The pollen dries up before it can fruit, and your plant's still alive, but you don't see any fruit on it. Uh, I've only just, maybe in the last two weeks, had some plants get back to making some fruit for me, and these were plants that I sprayed all sorts of fungicides on to keep alive because I was wanting to produce fruit to save seed. So I'm doing considerably more than the average 
uh, Tomato Garden is doing. And even I had, well, I ain't going to say on the air what I think about it, but let's just say mediocre success this year. And that's the two prominent reasons, the early rainfall, getting the disease pressure here earlier, and then just way hotter weather than yeah. normal. And your plants just couldn't, you know, they just couldn't make any fruit. There you go. All right. Well, I'll try. There's always run. next year, Paul. Yeah. We got to be, oh, be, be optimistic. There's <laughs> always next year. We do to catch a break somewhere or another. There you go, and I'll get some plants for you. You get up with me, and I'll get some plants for you next year. <laughs> so I'm I'm I want to hear, to. Paul, I want to hear you calling in next summer saying, I got more tomatoes than I can eat. <laughs> I'm looking somebody to give them to. Well, That's I'm when we've had a good year. And that's what we always hear from Craig LaHoulier. He uh, he seemed he had pretty good luck around here, but he has great luck. Uh, it's a different growing season. That's right. He's got a shorter season up there, but nowhere near the the fungal problems yeah. that we tend to have up here in, in the Triangle, Hendersonville. Humidity's lower. So, have you tried uh, growing tomatoes there in Mitchell County, Andrea? Uh, yeah, but I'm not a good tomato grower that's a that's one of the harder vegetables to, or fruits to grow it is yes. the most difficult fruiting vegetable that the plant will live uh or should live in this part of the world that i've ever attempted and there are not many things i hadn't tried to grow yeah. but i will tell time. you this much that's different from what you all were just talking about is i i had a uh, like a cherry tomato plant that a neighbor had given me and i put it in a pot in our garden area and i ignored it <laughs> and every now and then we watered it and i still got some tomatoes yes we've uh almost 90 percent of the tomatoes i grow now i grow in containers uh and i grow it primarily because i have found it a more disease-free uh way to grow it's yeah. a lot more work there's some more expense there's a lot of there's some negatives about it but if you're just looking to get results uh, there's not any question that you can you can improve your odds if you if you go that route. And hay bales too. That's right. Hay mm. bales work well. I have done that too. Hay bales require a little bit more work uh, because they dry out so much quicker. You've you've got to wet them every single day or set up a drip system or something if in lieu of rainfall. Uh, but uh, is 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 always a challenge. <laughs> Do you? Uh, fe- Fescue works pretty well up in, in – uh, to go to another subject that uh, I didn't ask you about. Fescue works pretty well up in Mitchell County, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And a lot of the bluegrasses, I suspect, yeah. would do well up there. Mm-hmm. What about the ornamental grasses? Well, we have a lot of invasive samples. <laughs> do, uh, do you grow any uh, – have you grown any Mondo grass? Any place? I have not grown mondo grass. Yeah. But I did consider a, um, I think it was a Terex, it was called, a Fed, Pennsylvania, when uh-huh. I was in Durham and had this section of, of lawn that, you know, uh, it was southern facing and there were a lot of tree roots and it was just, you know, my 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 lawn would never grow there. We had fescue in Durham. That's a good one. There are uh, there are Pennsylvanica. There are a couple of native uh, sedges, the genus Carex, that will like you know do well in a uh, shady, rooty, um, you know, sort of lawn alternative. Yeah, we had. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Don't want to get onto another armed contest with <laughs> powers to be at state, but we recently <laughs> had them plant some <laughs> in full sun, and it did not do well. 
we we had tried to recommend it needed to be get a little afternoon protection and they still yeah. planted it in the full sun anyway and it just melted ornamental yeah. grasses are so right popular right yeah, that's right so <laughs> popular now dan are there are a lot of of native ornamental grasses oh yeah there are we got a uh, pretty rich diversity here in the southeast uh you know a couple different uh genera and uh they're doing a lot of cultivars with them now so you have more reliable sort of height or color to the foliage is really a rich palette to work with we're going to have quite a few of those at the sale next week tell us more about that sale uh so it's nine to two uh next saturday the 24th uh we'll have a over 150 species of uh, southeastern native plants. Um, you know, we're talking about native grasses and ferns, perennials, shrubs, and trees. Uh, it's going to be a great event. Looks like we're going to get a break in the weather. It'll be a fantastic day to come out, uh, get a great selection of plants, talk with some gardeners, and get some good recommendations. Uh, we're also going to have an environmental fair taking place on site with some conservation orgs that. Uh, you know, focus on, um, you know, uh, birds and wildlife and how that intersects with what you plant in your garden. That's what it's all about. You have a great uh, gift uh, gift store. We do. We do. Uh, and some really incredible merchandise there. We've had a, a local artist recently that's doing uh, paper flowers of native species. Mm. So they're these uh, little um, uh, uh, little pots that have got, um, you know, a, a collection of uh, sort of sculptural flowers, and she's doing incredible work with native wildflowers. It's really amazing. And I don't know if you can always find plants for sale there, but sometimes that you can find some plants for sale. Every time I went there, was- yeah, that's right. We have two big events, spring and fall, but then we also have uh, you know sort of a daily plant sale area right outside the gift shop from uh, March through really November. Really interesting plants too. Yeah. It's just uh, unique. A lot of plants in my Durham garden came from the botanical garden. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful that's to hear. Well, thank you, thank you. All right, uh, also, if I could put but a- eat before you go there, because Dan doesn't have any food for you next. The only knock I got on him next weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, well we, we do have some food in the gift shop. Yeah. It's just I've, well, I've now I feel idea. a little bit better. I've got an idea about because I get hungry driving all the way from Nightdale. That's you know, forty I, minute drive. I'll be starving to death by the time I get there. I can tell you what Melissa and I do before we go to the botanical garden. Oh, you're going to yes. need a BLT. I know we what go you're to do. merits. <laughs> right. That's what we do. Right. But call in ahead <laughs> and find a good spot to, to sit and eat eat outside. And uh, I would so. – I'll chime in. Uh, you know, if folks aren't able to make it to the plant sale that we're having next weekend, uh, this is the very beginning of our annual Fall Sculpture in the Garden show. Yeah. Uh, so that officially opens tomorrow. We've got about 60 pieces of sculpture set mm, out in the wow. garden, all North Carolina artists, all different media uh, and it will run uh, in the garden through early December, so you know, right through Thanksgiving. It's a great time to come to the botanical garden as the temperatures are starting to cool off, and uh, you know, get to uh, it sort of add something to the experience. You see fall, fall wildflowers and fall leaf color, but also see some really cool sculpture. Yeah, a reminder that if you uh, were not able to to hear all of the program this morning, you can always. Uh, download the Weekend Gardener podcast. It's available. Uh, Jason gets it uh, each hour on there pretty quickly. And uh, you can get that through Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and, and uh, most of the others. So that's, uh, that's a nice way. And you can listen on WPTF.com or uh, tune in radio. You can listen, listen live also. Uh, more of the Weekend Gardener. Not a lot, but more of the Weekend Gardener coming up. It's 1053.
You're listening to one of the longest-running radio shows in the country, the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. All right, we're back quickly. Now, Andre, you were, uh, just before we went to the break, you wanted to mention something, I believe. I wanted to mention that there is an excellent article on the DoraMasterGardener.com blog about growing uh, vegetables year-round, that that's, you know, a sweet spot in the Piedmont, that you almost have a better... Uh, that's cool, cool weather planting period, September to February and February mm-hmm. to May. So yeah. uh, your listeners should check that out because I know a lot of them want to grow veggies. That's right. A listener just uh, sent me an email. Jane says, I aerated and seeded my fescue lawn last Wednesday, and I have not yet started watering. It's, it's, Any problem with just waiting for rain? No. You need, I would go ahead and I would go ahead and put some water to get them up. Because yeah. a couple of things could happen depending on being hotter this week. Uh, one, birds can be an issue yeah. to, to help themselves to the seed. And then two, if you get it wet, it's kind of like you stick the seeds to the ground. Uh, and then they've got a chance to sprout and come up. If you leave them there dry and we get a heavy rain, it could wash them all away. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah, go ahead and... Get get one little run a sprinkler on it thirty minutes or something like that just to get it damp and yeah. and that will should alleviate that possibility. Dan, uh, once again about the botanical garden sale next week. Yeah, the North Carolina Botanical Garden over in Chapel Hill uh, having our annual fall plant sale next Saturday, uh, the twenty fourth from nine a.m. to two p.m. You can check out the list of species we'll have available at ncbg.unc.edu. And you can also take classes, and you can become a member, and and it has a lot of information at the Botanical Gardens. And please, please go over there and and visit. If you don't get a chance to go next weekend, uh, go sometime on a nice day and uh, get you a BLT at Merritt's just down the road. Enjoy Chapel Hill. And thank you so much. We always, always it's a always a treat to have you on. Thanks, You're so Mike. knowledgeable, and I love the botanical gardens. And brother Gerald, you you know I'm somebody had to be the whipping boy in Rufus's so. <laughs> absence today. <laughs> uh, and Andrea, we just love you, and thank you so much oh, for for th- for uh, joining us again. We'll be in touch. Okay. All right, uh, Jason. Thank you very much. God love you. We'll uh, see you next week at Camco and just out on 64 outside of Pittsburgh.